You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. This seems like a good spot. We Should were, we go in here? We were going to get into it early, and then we didn't. Here we are anyway. It's sort of hard, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you, you don't want to sort of, you know, hey, guys, why don't we, you know, all this sort of <laughs> 12 or 2 here, 3 triple RFM. It's the afternoon. G'day. That's your Arvo going, eh? Sunday Arvo. <laughs> it's a good time, isn't it? Should we look backwards and say... Actually, I've got a couple of things I want to look, look backwards. backwards. I want to say thank you, of course. Rear Vision Mirror Radio. Thank you, of course, to Einstein and Gogo. For, and Gogo. But also big thank you to our buddy, oh, panel listen. beater Kent, who filled in for me yet again last week. I promise it's the last time this year, I promise. Panel beater Kent on you. Thumbs and, up from um, Coming up with maybe um hilarious thing that um, he mentioned because he did a, a great uh, dissertation on mindfulness. Yes. Uh, first thing that he said was... Um, Mindfulness, talking mm. about um, apps on a mobile phone, which possibly could be one of the greatest things of angst. And uh, I had not seen the irony of having a mindfulness app on the, on your on mobile the device phone. that irritates you all the time. I know. Mm. That was great. But then also, um, apparently, uh, reporting on an article in mm. The Onion, of course, that great satirical website, uh, which... Some politicians have taken seriously <laughs> the real news, which is always great. Um, but uh, one of the great articles in there, and I'm repeating this, Kent, he's looking across because he's doing the podcast. Monk gloats over meditation championship. I am the serenest. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I just That just tickles my funny bone. I hope it does for you too. What are you doing out there? It is a Sunday Arvo. In the very, very depths of spring in this beautiful, beautiful city. You'd be hard pushed to know it though, wouldn't you, given the weather? It's a, still quite cold out there. Yes, you would, Matt. You just deal with the bloody cold. Look <laughs> around and look at the fecundity. I get a little bit of Chardonnay. How's the fecundity? A bit of Chardonnay when I see all the people at the races shivering. I don't know. It just makes me feel happy for some reason. Oh, you're an evil dude. I'm a little bit cynical this time of year. I like that. Uh, but that's one of the things I love about you. Yeah. Man. But um, but as I'm speaking of, the, the great thing about this time of year is we've had rain over winter. A yes. bit, maybe down. Mm. Mm. Everything's green and the leaves look beautiful and the February sun hasn't crinkly crisp them so so everything looks beautiful so anyway hope you're enjoying uh, this beautiful spring afternoon yes here on this day of rest for most of us yes uh, who maybe aren't involved in hospitality or retail it is officially the start of the silly season isn't it cup week it is it's when it goes mental this is it um and um oh if anybody's looking for a job yes uh michael bakash is hiring Yes. He's, he needs a new chef. We won't go Just into... Just helping out there, Michael. Won't go into why and how. No. But poor old Michael Bakash Is looking down the barrel of seven days a week. Yes. Two shifts a... Mate, we feel for you if we you're do. listening. He's probably not. But, no. um, um, yeah, if you're... Uh, pin-boning the fish. Between chops here, rolling <laughs> those, no rolling those garfish sushi. <laughs> as he does. No, but if you want to learn about fish, seriously, hmm. you could do a lot worse. Yeah. So yeah. Send, send your resume to uh, Bakash's restaurant. Domain Road, South Yarra. Which is still open, by the way. Another thing, Bakash, uh, Michael, is pains to point out is even though that like the part of the road is closed, oh. his part is not closed. Oh, no, his part is very much open yes. and beautiful. So go to Bakash. I mean, talk about gorgeous aspects. Looking oh, across yeah, the botanical beautiful. gardens. It's a gorgeous spot. Morton Bay figs. Mm. Of course, you won't see that. You'll be in the kitchen in the back. Um, but, hey, don't worry about that. Yes. Um, so, what have we got on today's show? I would like to talk about, um, we're going to do a little bit of a what's that in your mouth. Yes. 
session mm -hmm. with a little bit of historical context. Yes. Just tacked on in the end. Um, and then we're going to talk about baking. Yes. Who bakes? You don't, do you? I You don't. said, look at that sneer. No, I sneered at you then. <laughs> my, my bottom lip curled up a little bit. No, I just don't. I don't bake. I don't bake. Well, you bloody should. Because mindfulness, you don't yes. need an app. No. You need an oven. An oven and some dough. An oven and some dough and something to hold the, you know, form the dough. Yes. Anyway, anyway, we're going to talk about that because we've got um, some lovely people in here who are, yes, they're looking very chilled out. Yes. Um, uh, Michael and Philippa James of the Tivoli Road Baker. And, um, you know, when we look at really good cookbooks, mm. my one of my tests is, and I was saying this to them, mm. Could you see this next to Stephanie Alexander's Kitchen Companion? I agree with that test, and I also agree. Would, would this, you say that? Would this you? book would sit very nicely as a uh, as a reference. Uh, I had a, a flick through. Yeah, uh, there's a sausage roll recipe in there, which will, which will end all sausage roll recipes. Right, so they got That's you with you the sausage rolls. Well, we're going to talk to them about um, a few things. We're going to go talk very very quickly about the journey. Yes, you know, we do that just to contextualize. Yeah, you're not yes. at me. Um, but um, sourdough bread, um, making your own starter. Um, what's this butter shortage all about? We might talk a little bit about that in the time that we have. Mm. And time always flees and I must get going. Mm. So we are going to talk to them and looking forward to that and talking about this rather lovely book published by Hardy Grant. Of course it is because it's beautifully published and it looks great. Mm -hmm. And speaking of publications, yes, national publications, yes, encompassing this great brown land, yes, the Good Food Guide, Matt, twenty eighteen, the first national, edition. the first national edition. So we've got Rosalind Grundy coming in. We look forward to seeing her come in here, and we'll be able to get a bit of a snapshot as to what's happening everywhere around the country. Yes. As well as, of course, the food capital of Australia here in Melbourne, the glorious Prague of the South, that yes. we reside in. This is true. Yes, this is true. So uh, we're going to do that. No, but before I want to talk about that, I want to talk about um, referring to a great dish in a sort of pejorative sense, mm -hmm. boiled meat. You said earlier, just before the show, you said, Matt, I had some boiled meat during the week. And yeah, I went, oh, I, yeah. I was being provocative. Because that's not traditionally the way you cook meat for its full flavour or however. It's yeah. Just or, or how the marketing department might go and Boiled say, how are we going to sell this? <laughs> but if I say to you, I had some delicious corned beef. I go, oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you go, yeah. oh, yeah, that sounds kind of good. And I love corned beef, and I haven't had corned beef mm. for a long time. It's probably mm. been about a couple of years. And I just thought, look, it's time to get a piece of corn silverside. Although having that, I thought, actually, I really do prefer the brisket. And boiling it up, mm. and it is Matt... About the aromatics that you put in the water. Is it? It is. Right. Otherwise, uh, it is uh, just, just boiled meat. It's just bloody boiled meat, isn't it? It's a grey slab of protein. Yeah, it's yeah. not very nice. No. But if you, for me, um, I put things like mustard seeds, peppercorns, so this goes in cloves. The water? Yeah, right. Okay, here you go. Here you go. You want the, the full thing? Please. Put the meat into the water. Yep. Boil the water. Yep. Throw out the water because all that scummy proteins yep. have come up. Clean the pot. Yep. Start again. Right. You have a clean slate to go with. Yes. God, I'm looking like Donald Trump with my hands. Stop it. Um, <clears throat> gesticulating <laughs> madly. With the tiny hands. Tiny hands. Um, who would have thought it? <laughs> who would have thought cooking meat was so hard? Um, but yes. it, the, then what you do is you start again. Mm -hmm. 
put in the water. Mm-hmm. So aromatics. In this case, for mm-hmm. me, bay leaves, uh, cloves, peppercorns, mustard seeds, very, very important, a little bit of brown sugar, a little bit of vinegar, and you want to see the magic thing we put in there? Mm-hmm. Orange peel. Ooh. Orange peel. Acid. Citric. No, it's sort Citric. of this nice sort of trebly sort of mm-hmm. note on the top. Mm. Cloves are sort of bassy on the bottom. This is sitting on the top. Anyway, it's really, really good. But one of the things I love to mm. have with my beautiful corned beef. Yes. And stick with me, vegetarians. Come back. Come back to the radio. It's all right. Mm. A beautiful latka potato Ooh. or roasting. A potato pancake. Mm. Now, have you ever made a potato pancake? I have not. But you have, and you're going to tell us how to do it. Well, yeah, but also just the fact of, my God, there's just so many. It's in so many different cultures. Yeah, cause it's we were, ingrained. I wouldn't be able to tell you the origin of the latke. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have, I'd just assume it's European. Well, so far as I can see, latke is actually a Jewish thing. Right. If you go to Northern Europe, it's sort of like a roasted, but we'll get more into that. Mm-hmm. So um, for those that have never cooked a latke potato, yes, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I use... Uh, four to one ratio, mm-hmm. four potatoes, which you want a waxy sort of potato. Yes. Four to one onion. All right. right. So it's potatoes and onions together. Yes. This is good. Matt's sort of rocking back on his heels. Yeah, I, I, right. can, I can visualize this. And he's looking yeah. up and he's accessing that part of his memory that visualizes things. And this is good. You're working with me. What you do is mm. you grate the potato, mm. but there is something that you want to get rid of the potato. The starchy water that's mm-hmm. in there. So grate it, and then what you do is you squeeze it. Dumb question. You peel it first, yeah? Yes, you peel it yes. first. Although, you actually, you don't really I'd have give, to. There'd be, uh, there'd be people that say, I want it more nutritious. I've given up peeling, potato, peeling potatoes for that very reason. And that's, that's a life choice you've made, <laughs> and, we, and we salute you for yes. it. Um, but you squeeze the, your hands and get rid of all the, the grelgy water. Yep. Right? Put it into... Um, a, a bowl, um, and then you you squeeze the onion, you grate the onion last. So onions are raw at this point, yeah? Uh, and yes. it will make you cry. It will, <laughs> it's like it will be full You're going to work for this meal. You're going to work for this yeah. thing. And you just, and you, that's sort of the hardest thing to squeeze. But then you mm. get these onions, so that adds more flavour. Yes. Right? Salt, pepper, one egg to bind it. Right. Some different recipes use a bit of flour here. I choose not to. Mm. All right? Now what you need is a skillet. Mm. Uh, or the the thickest frying pan you have. Yes. If you've got some super thin one, just forget it, work. walk away. It's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> just put it, put, it, put it in the bin. Now, you need the goodness of butter, and butter will be a bit of a topic later yes. on in the conversation. We talked to Tivoli Road Bakers. Mm. Into the pan, and then you put in the mixture like that. and then So you smoosh it down. So you Smoosh it down a bit. Flat sort of. And there's a fair bit of butter because the butter is going to give you the flavor and it's going to give you the crispness and mm. turn it brown and make it beautiful. I cover the pan with a lid, mm-hmm. preferably a see-through one so you can see what's going on. Oh, but really that, that cooks the potato. So the steam's coming up steam and it's cooking. Yep. Mm. Then you're sort of looking and you peek underneath. Oh, yeah, it's starting to get brown. I dot it with a little bit of butter on the top. And it's starting to smell really, really good because mm-hmm. there's butter and potatoes. and Oh, my God. And then comes the moment of um, what can be great tragedy. And also a little bit of a gut rush because if you make it a big <laughs> one, you've got to flip it. Oh, right. Yeah? Uh, yes, that would be a challenge. So it's sort of the live and let die moment, you know, <laughs> of, of cooking this thing. So then you flip it. You can also do smaller ones so they're a lot more yeah, manageable. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but where's the fun but, in that? Uh, where's the fun yeah. in that, huh? <laughs> you, know, it, you know, triumph and tragedy. You're, you're there. 
This could especially, go really well. Especially after you've, you know, you've shared tears to get the onions in there I in know, the first place. It I might know. still end up on the kitchen floor. The panoply of emotions is incredible <laughs> doing this. So then you flip it again, yep. right? And you cook it through, slide it onto a board, slice it. It is so good because there's so much, there's butter in this mm. thing and it's crispy mm. and potatoey deliciousness. Mm. Works really, really well with the corned beef. Yes. And the great thing is that this is a thing that is sort of um, almost born out of poverty, mm. this this dish, when you think about it. It's just potatoes and onions, some of the cheapest things you can have. Mm. And yet it tastes so magnificent with some of the most decadent, expensive foods you can have. Mm. If you're lucky enough to have a few tablespoons, mm. hey, let's come on, let's go for it, of mollusol caviar... <laughs> So hang on, that's just aisle six in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just go down aisle six. You might be a red spot special. Oh, caviar's on special. It's only 80 bucks. Just past the swallow's nest, there's the caviar section. There it is, yes, that's that's it. But no, I do take your point because potatoes are an amazing way to take on flavour. Yeah, and something that's a little bit more approachable and, and more realistic, smoked salmon. Yeah. And a roasty, oh my lord, a little bit of champagne on the side. Yeah. Huh? Huh? But here we go, quickly, mm. at 12.15. I've got to do this in a couple of minutes because otherwise I'm getting into our guests' time. Mm-hmm. So all over the world, people do this. Mm. Um, latke potatoes, roasty potatoes. Um, roasty, I think, is getting up to Switzerland. Yes. Because I remember Herman Schneider used to be famous for doing his roasty. Yes. Uh, Raracor is unbound. Ragmunt is bound with a bit of flour. Oh, also the um, latke can be also bound with two tablespoons of matzah. See, it's okay. that it's yeah. a Jewish thing. Then there's baggers. There's kartoffelpuffer, <laughs> kroppelschir, reiberkuchen, uh, and rivukuch. See, these are all terrible pronunciations. Yes. So I apologize in advance. But it's all over the place, and they do it. Even the Spanish do it in a way, although thicker, with the tortilla, Espanol. Mm. And, of course, the Americans do it with mm. the hash brown hash potato. Brown, yes. Hash browns. And then there's the English and the Australians. Mm-hmm. And we came up with a dish which is called mock fish or mock whiting, <laughs> which I suppose was a way – Times of great austerity. Yes. Looking back over the Depression yes. and the war when, you know, those fish weren't growing on trees. One still aren't. Excuse me. For, for a lot of people, I, they, yes. They probably don't. Mm. And uh, I've never seen... Yeah. Fish is quite expensive per, per, per kilo. And I found, just to, just to finish this up, yes. um, a really interesting recipe for this thing. You're not going to sell me fish and serve me potato, are you, Cameron? I might. <laughs> I've got a, a recipe here from, I think it's the war, uh, when, you know, we're watching the Sullivans and they're going, damn this war, Grace. Yes. Um, <laughs> mock fish, where you take a half a pint of milk and you bring it to the boil. Right. Right. And then you shower in two ounces of ground rice. And right. a teaspoon of chopped onions, not too much <laughs> ch- onions because you don't want it to be overpowered. A teaspoon, a teaspoon mm. chopped onions and leek. So you're boiling the onions in the milk at this point? Uh, uh, no, you've, um, you've, you've brought it to the boil. Yes. You've taken it off the heat. You, you shower in the two ounces. You add the uh, chopped onions for a, just a little bit of flavour. Um, and then you, you have a piece of margarine yes. the size of a small walnut, apparently. Um, and then you, um, and then to that you yes. season it with a little bit of anchovy sauce. Right. Yes. Work with me. Work with me on this. Um, then what you do is you simmer that for twenty minutes, uh-huh. 
And um, there's nothing in there at this point. It's just the rice, isn't it? That's well, it's the rice. So yeah, this yeah. rice is thickening this mixture, yeah, yeah. and that's the idea. Mm. It's a starch that's swelling mm. up and and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, and then what you do is you remove it from the heat and add a well-beaten egg. Mix well together with um, and spread the mixture onto a flat dish. Yes, right, uh, about a half inch. Thi- half inch thick, and then using all the artistic powers that you can muster, when cold, you cut it into pieces the size and shape of a fish fillet. (laughs) Then you brush this with milk, roll it in breadcrumbs, and fry until golden brown. Yes. And you know what you serve it with? What? A parsley sauce. Right. Yum. I just, for me, it just, it sounds like it's going to taste like glue. You've got milk and rice. Oh, thank God for that anchovy sauce giving it that, that, that genuine and fish flavour. the teaspoon of onion giving it some real kick. We should move on. It's 12.19. We've got some fabulous guests in the studio. We're going yes. to be talking about baking. Uh, put aside the uh, the visions of mock fish, but uh, please think about doing a latke potato because once you get it in your repertoire, you're going to love It'll it. It'll stay there forever. You're going to love it, especially if you've got some smoked salmon to go with it. We're going to play some music, Cameron. Sounds good. Uh, 30 years ago this year. 30 years ago today. The st- no, this think, year. Was it this year? Anyway, uh, coming up on Friday, the Stems are playing at uh, the Croxton in Thornbury to celebrate the 30th anniversary of this album. Does this go into classic rock? I guess it is kind it's of classic It's a classic rock, track. It certainly sounds classic when you hear some of these guitars and drums. You're going to love it. And you say, a oh, bit oasis This one is a bit oasis uh, I would say to you. Pre. Hmm. Mm. Mm. On Triple R. You're not paying attention, are you? No, I just <laughs> had my thing. After giving this great briefing to our guests about headphones, I turned down my volume and I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> so there's a little bit of embarrassment to start this uh, interview off. But uh, Michael and Philippa Jane, James, welcome Thank you. to 3 Triple RFM and uh, congratulations. I think Matt and I agree at one of the best books of baking mm. we've seen. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. There's a good start. Yeah. Very so good I might start. get you to go nice and close to that microphone. There we go. So that we can hear you, Michael. Um, you guys have just released uh, a book called The Tivoli Road Baker. Um, when was this published? How long ago? Um, last week. Last week, yeah. The yeah. Oh, this is fresh. It's yeah, a fresh loaf here. Yeah, it is. First of November. is released Australian-wide. So this so. is from um, Hardy Grant. And I suppose just to get us into the, the scheme of things, there's a lot of events in your life for both of you that sort of have taken you to this point. Yeah. How did you get here to be um, to be doing this? And, and what was the impetus of getting this book out? Yeah, um, so I guess it's a journey from, from myself being a chef over in, over. Because you're UK. not from here, are you? No, I'm from the Cornwall in the UK, so yeah. I was a chef in London the for a, a long time. The surf coast of, uh, of the UK. Yeah, so, yeah, cold <laughs> surf coast. <laughs> yes, as long as you got a dry suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a head suit, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so I a long time of uh, learning the trade as a chef, so that's why we've got a lot of savoury rests, like, in there with sausage rolls, pies, pasties from, from, o- ox, from my home. Ox cheek. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of that in there, and um, I moved to London, that's why I met Pippa about... Was it a long time ago? A long time ago, yeah. <laughs> we met in London. So. In the last century. A couple footy seasons <laughs> yeah. ago yeah. when you were, were both in the industry. Philippa, yeah. you've been yes. you've been working in lots of different places. Yeah, so I worked front of house in restaurants and yes. um, moved to 
London. I've got a lot of family in the UK and wanted to get to know them. And, in, and a lot of times it's almost a mandatory trip. Isn't it, it is, yeah. Um, and the restaurants are so different over there. There's so much to learn for a front of house professional. Mm. Um, and yeah, we met there and then lived in Sydney where I managed um, a restaurant and then went back to London. Which restaurant was that? Uh, I managed Flying Fish. Uh, in Piemont, yes. Um, not long after it opened, yes. Um, which was yeah, a lot of fun. Were you, were you guys working together then? Were you, no, were you in Sydney? No. that's where I started baking at uh, yes. a place called Burke Street Bakery in Surrey Hills, right, ah. right, right at the, the birth of Burke Street. So, it was, hey, what did that do for your relationship, though? I mean, we sort of think about bakers being sort of um, solitary nighttime people. Yeah, and yeah. and you're working in the times of services of lunch and absolutely. Yeah. How did that go? That was, was that really hard. Probably difficult. the hardest um, time for that was when Michael was working for Movita Bakery after yeah. he opened the bakery in South Yarra, and I was working um, at Cutler and Co. And some there were right. there were nights where we would pass each other in the hallway. He yeah. would be leaving for work, and I would be coming home from work. Yeah, and that was really depressing. That's, that's the hardest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but here we go. Testament to you guys. You. Still together still there, as a yeah. team, and so yeah. you've been able to um, go through that. And United, you have started a place in the flat of Turak Road. We can call that between yeah. Chapel Street and Williams Road, uh, near one of my favourite sounding streets, Rockley Road, um, but Tivoli Street. Um, so on the north side of uh, Turak Road, just a little way up, you've got this beautiful, beautiful bakery. Well, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been four years, so I guess it's a book of four years of bloody of hard work, four years of hard work, and yeah. all our tweaking and recipe testing and gaining more knowledge. Yeah, so this is everything that we've done since we started. Like our hospitality, I guess, is all you know, it's all come up to that into our book. Yeah, so and, and what was the sort of when you said to each other, let's do a thing together, and you said. Yeah, I guess. Well, Michael had always wanted to have his own place, and he was working for um, the man Frank and Andy. Yeah, yeah for the other people, Movita Bakery. Yeah. And then they offered us the opportunity to buy the bakery, so we jumped at that. And um, I guess we didn't really have any downtime. We didn't close or refurbish or anything. We just wanted to keep keep it keep going, going and really just um, focus on the product and and cash flow and positive too. Obviously. Well, yeah, we ha- we didn't have yeah. any money, so yeah, we had, so to, we had like to keep the cash moving. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, just really build on what it was, and we've kind of evolved it and changed it over time. Um, How has it changed? Uh, what I are guess, the changes you've made? Well, we've, I guess, as we've gone along, we've reviewed ingredients that we're using and always made choices to um, use better ingredients and that's something that very much yeah. comes through in the yeah. in the in the uh, in the book because you talk about you well you champion your suppliers yeah that's right yeah that was, that there's was pictures of your suppliers in there so, yeah so there's the whole grade million which is our grain growers up in our are in Victoria, New South Wales, there's Mount Zero Olives and Grampians. And, yes, and there's so Richard Seymour's in there Richard with his yeah, family. Richard. Yes, yeah, it's been awesome to do with. Yeah, so there's key people in our book that we've been working with for quite a while now, so mm. which are important for and, our bakery. And one of the things that's very, very important for you is um, 
the integrity of the ingredients in the product. And then we also, when we when I talked about, what do you want to talk about? And I said, well, we want to talk about the wheat and how it's important for really, really great whole grain mm. wheat because we need to consider all of that kernel. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, and no, I spend some, some people we trying to incorporate in our bacon the last few years. And, and again, in a book with, you know, it's like, whole grain uh, scones in there there's whole grain spelt galettes and the bread and the so carrot cake yeah the carrot cake so there's a lot that, that's been the last two or three years in our bakery since we come back from the states last year we went to an event called the grain gathering where we we were hanging out with lots of amazing bakers and farmers and growers the grain gathering yeah it was, it was an awesome and event which really inspired us to think about what we do and how we do things so it's made us what did you what are they um, what are the things you took back from from that they were using a lot of whole grains in their baking, yes. um, and it's quite different technically, that kind of baking, so we've kind of slowly incorporated more of that um, for the flavour and the nutrition yeah. And the benefits. digestibility, which um, I think we need to probably touch on. Yeah, well, I guess a lot of we get a lot of people who ask for gluten-free Products. bread, particularly, and a lot of people who um, say they struggle with with gluten yes um and i guess we would argue that what they might be calling bread what you get in a supermarket in a plastic bag doesn't actually relate to what we would call bread Mm. um you know the quality of the grain and the you know low use of chemicals we use all organic grains for our Mm. bread um is important but also the process of the slow fermentation, which aids digestion, and you know a lot and of the people. And the glycemic index of said that's product, right, yeah. which is very, very important. If just to just to moor this into sort of an argument, is the fact that bread has been a major foodstuff since the dawning of agriculture, starting in the Fertile Crescent, what, mm. 4,000 years ago? Anyway, we've been uh, doing it millennia. It's been a few footy seasons, hasn't it, yeah, if we're going to put yeah. it that way. We, we, in, yeah. in this glimpse of time, in this sort of short thing of time, we have had manufactured bread that has sort of maybe started uh, in the 1920s, I think it was. Yeah, between the wars, there was between a lot of research wars. done to um, speed up the production of speed bread. Up, yes. so that, um, you know, it, and it's also industrialization of farming where there's a lot more chemical input and, mm. into the actual grain. Um, so there's that. There's the yeah high speed yeah, production so the, of bread. Yes. Things like using bread improvers, you know, ascorbic yeah, acid into to breads, yeah, which is a bit of a no-no. Just using yeasts, yeah. which is just one thing that just produces. Hey, its gig is yeah. I produce CO two, but I don't do much else. Yeah, it's like kind of useless. Yeah, it's like an athlete on steroids. Why, okay, thing. so yeah. for this thing, why is it, just to explain to people, and most people will know, but just to maybe reiterate this is why is a naturally fermented sourdough better for people in digestibility? Um, so over a period of time, I think studies have shown up between eight, at least eight hours of fermentation with good grains, it, a lot more um, nutrients are becoming bioavailable, like the mm. phytic acid becomes available, which is normally locked in. But under fermentation, the enzyme activity makes a lot more nutrition available to you in your body for, for better health. And, and yeah. again, just to reiterate the fact that through that comes better digestibility. Mm. And and uh, ease ease of digestibility for people that might have otherwise have problems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a sourdough starter is easy to make. 
Uh, easy, yeah. We yeah, again we trialed a lot on, on this book with supermarket flowers and organic flowers. So oh yeah, we, we using, you um, noticed a difference. Yeah, a big difference. Yeah, with with certain brands in the supermarket, we noticed they tasted smelled like tissue paper. It was like nothing. It was tissue really, paper. It was wow. very bland. So and yeah, it went and took a few days. Yeah, it, it went all <laughs> oxidized and it was pretty disgusting. It too. went to a nasty stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was that took probably three or four days longer than our normal whole so we recommend either rye flour or just any whole grain flour because there's a lot more um a lot more of the wild yeast on the on the actual <coughs> grain that's been milled yeah right so that's, that's included that was, yeah i had like fermentation within a day on some some of the trials on on some of the grains that we were making at home for our starter mm. it was very um surprising the results between that and monocultured kind of wheat so it was uh, interesting to see the, the difference it's uh, it just comes back to the food factory and the mass production of food that we're seeing which is um pretty much deleterious to a lot of aspects to our health and as a society and as humanity and the environment and the bloody environment yeah, yeah i forgot about that yeah <laughs> what about the environment oh yeah the bloody environment yeah. so just assuming that people have never made a sourdough starter before what do you need, and how do you do it? So and how long does it take? Yeah, so oh, like I said, it took me. I had probably three or four days, like to get it, you know, active and on average to just need a bit of whole grain, whole grain uh, flour, water, mix it up, mm. stick it in, in room temperature. Um, I think it takes a few days to get it going, and then bread production, maybe five to ten days onwards, you can start start to make a loaf of bread, and it. It will get better over time. Yes. Yeah. And, and the thing weeks, is, the, the, the wonderful thing about these things is it takes on the microflora of the area that are around you. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, you can get, you can buy, say, sourdough starters from San Francisco, maybe one of the, you know, the American famous sort of yeah. things, and you can bring it in. But it'll change. Yeah, it'll change, yeah, whatever. It'll evolve. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And the flavor will change and maybe the balance of the bacteria and the yeast in it will change. So yes. So whatever environment it's in or the uh or the flour if you use different flour if you're going for rye to wheat it's gonna obviously gonna change then so yes and the activity will change because of what's on the grain itself yeah so it's it's interesting like a lot, a lot of the studies we've done at home it's been it's been a eye-opener so these are these yeah. have been called um uh trial and error Trial and, tri- yeah. trial and triumph. <laughs> uh, both. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, well hopefully you, you, eventually we triumphed. You, you're moving towards it. So, what did you learn in the in doing these trials? Uh, to buy good local grains, pretty much. Uh, yeah, good grains from a local farmer. Or, or, or how do we do shop. that? Okay, but how do we do that as just you know Joe Blow consumers who yeah. you know are sort of. Well, we can shop under the fluorescent lights, and there's you know there's a brand with a lighthouse on the front of it that says we are good for bread. Well, there are grain growers selling at farmers markets in Melbourne now. Yes, who are, who are milling at the market. Awesome to order, yeah. um, and there are good, you know, health food shops that are selling whole grain flour that have a high volume of sales and are turning over quickly, so the flour yeah. is relatively fresh. For and sure. you just need to you just need to trial and and find. The one that you like and the one that you find is good. Online, can you get? I suppose you'd have to be able to get uh, flowers on. Yeah, Matt's look nodding. I mean, sure. of course you can. Of yeah, course, sure. Yeah. <laughs> come. Yeah, I believe our um, <coughs> suppliers and our Lauki Mills in South Australia they supply mm-hmm. online. So there's um, 
Yeah, it's online if you want it, or you can buy from your local baker. We sell quite a lot of flour through our baker, or sourdough starter we give away. So yeah, is that to to help the baker? Mm, We we had a a thing. We were joking. um, We had uh, the guy you met out there, Kent, who was doing the podcast, and he was talking about mindfulness and mindfulness apps and stuff like that. One of the best ways to just lose yourself into a moment is to make bread, I think. Don't you think? It's like you don't think about your problems when you're making bread. So um, as nutrition, as something that brings the family together and also maybe as mindful therapy, um, I think the the whole notion of making bread is good. In fact, you've got homework, Matt. You've got to make some bread. Right. Okay, that's good. Um, (laughs) Now, but this book isn't just about doing sourdough bread. And, Matt, you pulled out some that you thought were amazing. Do you want to just... I just went for, like, you know, the mad phone book style stab in the middle of the pages. You had OMG sausage roll. And ended up at the uh, the pies and sausage roll section. That is the sausage roll recipe, I think, to end all sausage roll recipes. Yeah. And the pies look amazing, too. Yes. Look amazing. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess Thank we, you. What do you? Yeah, um, but yeah, there. Go lots on. in there. Yeah, there's pies, sausage rolls. Um, we do salads in the bakery every day. Our chicken. Oh, there's salads in the bakery mm. book. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah. awesome. Um, our chicken sandwiches, which have become a bit of a cult item. There's a few recipes for those and others. Um, and there are some, you know, larder larder basics that you need for that kind of stuff. Where. where if you've got your larder stocked, you can make really great food very quickly. Mm. And morning buns. What's a morning bun? Uh, so we that's from our croissant pastry that we roll out. And so we put a layer of pastry cream yes. and it's got cinnamon, orange, yeah, okay. brown sugar and rolled up baked. Yeah. And once it's baked, we put a bit of custard in just for a good measure. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're a popular idea. They've become... That's really good. Really popular, yeah. Matt, I'm sorry, I just got to, and sorry, Roz, who's waiting out there, just got to ask one more thing that we can just, maybe if you can comment on. There's a lot of talk around the place about the great butter shortage of 2017. Is that a thing? Is it happening? And why? Um, I think it's come mainly from Europe with the, uh, a lot of people are switching from skim milk to full cream milk. So I think. And from margarine to butter. Yeah. In Europe, they probably never ate margarine no. much, did they? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I hate the stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's a of, I think a lot of panic buying as well, probably. You know, as prices are going to go up, well, let's yeah, buy right. a pallet full of butter. So Yes. Which is putting but, up prices, yeah. And have so. you, are you paying more for butter? Uh, yeah, the prices have gone up, but we're kind of working with Naomi from King Valley Dairy. So we're just in the last probably three to four months, we're actually switching to local gotcha. King Valley for our croissant anyway, so we've kind of given up the, the French the, butter. Yeah, so the, the prices French. have gone up, yeah, but not whereas our King not Valley butter. So we've just been working with her on to make it more, um, make the butter kind of easy to work with in, the, in our bakery, the temperatures. And it's all about the bloody so, lamination, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's bloody lamination! lamination. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, yeah. Matt's doing the, the wild warm-up. Again, uh, congratulations on a fabulous book with uh, a baking book with salads in it as well. So it's got lots of different things. The Tivoli Road Baker, it is published by Hardy Grant. It's only been out for a week. How much is it? I'm going to reckon. $60. 50 bucks. 60 60 bucks Worth every cent too. So... Um, got to say, this is very much used and recommended by the guys of Eat It. Matt's, mm. Matt's into we give it, it. We give it the stamp of approval. Stamp of approval. Five stars. Um, thank you so much for coming in. In the rest of the day off, or do you have to go racing back? No. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, Ros Grundy's going to be in, but we've got a little bit of music first. Matt, hit it. There it goes. 
down the road. Mm. Uh, Triple R is where you are at. Edith is the show. We're at the tail end. But we are absolutely delighted to have sitting across from us Rosalind Grundy, chief editor of the Good Food Guide National. The co- can Around I just correct you? I'm the co-editor with my, oh, I just my Sydney colleague. I know, but I, I do have to share the, uh, the, share the love with my Sydney colleague, Miffy Rigby. So ah. I'm the co-editor of the National Good Food Guide. Hands across the waters yeah. or across the Great Dividing Range. Unity is, is, has happened and consolidation has happened. That's right. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Well, what? what, what yeah. Tell us about that. All right. So we, so the uh, Fairfax organisation used to publish three separate guides. We used to do the Age Good Food Guide here in Melbourne, the Sydney Morning Herald in Sydney, and the Brisbane Times in Queensland. So we had three editions. And we had a team, t- teams doing all of those. Yes. And over the last few years, we've just been saying, doesn't it make sense if we put all of this effort into one book? And Because we're finding that Australians are travelling more than ever. And we mm. thought, why don't we just pull resources and put them all in one guide? And, hey, while we're at it, because it doesn't make sense to only have three of the states down the east coast, why don't we um, review in some of the other states and try and find the best places in those other states. So that's exactly what we did this year. So consolidation and growing from that. Yeah, and it's been amazing. It it is has worked a lot better than oh, yeah. we ever expected. It, it, it's been much better received than I would have expected because um, all the people in those other states that haven't previously been reviewed are uh, excited to be involved and... And it, we're finding, as reviewers, great um, great places out there that we didn't previously review, and it's just been fanta- a fantastic experience. All Does around. this mean that you travel more interstate to do reviews? A, a little bit more. Oh. We did share it amongst the share the travelling and the reviewing amongst our uh, core teams, so we divvied it up. And yes. uh, I was l- lucky enough to get some of the South Australian places. Fallen in love with South Australia. Yes, and. Uh, my other colleagues did Tassie and uh, other other places. And, Darwin, um, you sent anyone up to yeah, Darwin? Yeah, we did. We sent two of our senior people. In fact, Miffy and Jemima Cody, who's the age chief reviewer, uh, went up to Darwin and, well, they found one Hatworthy restaurant. What was it? Uh, Hanuman. Hanuman. Yeah, it's been there what for many years and yes. still really good uh, sort of Thai-style food up there. Because, very yeah, I mean, Darwin's like another country isn't it the fact that the you go to the the markets of darwin and you could think you're in southeast asia absolutely yeah amazing yeah so that was really great but, that's good but um down here yeah down here what's um so one of the great things about and this is one of the great reasons to have you on the show every year someone from the food guide is that it's a great snapshot and it's also a great sort of looking at What's happening in food trends and where we're at? And you guys are always able to summarise. This was the year of X. Yeah. What? What? what Twenty seventeen. What's What's been happening in in restaurant land out there that well, we should know? In about? previous years, we've been able to say, oh, you know, this is the year that everyone was eating. I don't know, cauliflower or shared plates and shared smoke. plates or whatever. It was the year or of smoke. smoke ones. I know. That's <laughs> right. Um, yes. And cooking with fire, we've had. Well, yes. this year, 
I don't think, no, pen poise. No. I, I don't know that there have been as many trends. I think, I think maybe, um, a lot of the chefs are finding finding their own voice. Mm. I, I'm not seeing as many obvious trends. You know, a lot of them or fads. We could fads, say that's no, that's sort of the pejorative much, side of that, isn't I'm, it? I haven't seen as much of that this year. I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of charcuterie. We've seen a lot of chicken liver parfaits. Um, that those are probably two of the things. Yes, but it's been things like. Wine bars breaking out all over. That's been one of the trends, you mm-hmm. know. Wine bars with great food has been one of the key trends. So it's those of my friends who uh, are on Tinder. I'm, I'm not one of them, obviously. but uh, <laughs> Swiping madly, swiping madly, yes. Um, it's a very uh, easy place to go on a Tinder date because you can just have one drink and you're out. And if, it, you and it, if, if you want to. If you want to put the handbrake on. Yeah, yes. that's right. Or, um, and so it's... It's rather than sitting down for a whole meal and that being potentially awkward, you can just meet for a glass of something at a wine bar and over and out if that person hasn't hit the spot. Paraphrasing, this is the continued casualisation of the eating experience, I suppose, yeah, isn't it? That. Too definitely that we've that has continued. Yeah, because we've there was a time when you know people came and the restaurants were open between about you know six thirty and ten o'clock. And they did lunch, and you couldn't get anything in between. But gradually, we've seen that new in housing was a very important part of that, of course. Yes, of course, that's been a very important part in Australia, and we're, we're seeing it in other states to a lesser extent. I mean, that's yes. been, uh, I think, a problem in Sydney. The, the lockout laws. No, we can we can sneer we can and sn- snigger. <laughs> <laughs> Those leagues clubs that have that, and the pubs that have the thing. But um, this is also a great time to do what I call the Julie Andrews and talk about these are a few of my favourite things or places. Yeah. And what are the favourite places that you've been to this year that you think is just great or dying to go back to? Um, well, South Australia generally, I think, has been a fantastic one for me. Yes, um, and I've, I loved a, um, a place called Shobosho over there. How do you spell that? Um, S-H-O-B-O-S-H-O. Shobosho. Um, and the chef there is a guy called Adam Liston. You might remember him from such places as um, Northern Lights in um, in Smith Street in Collingwood. Right. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, nice story, actually. He's a um, an Adelaide boy who came over here to make good and did so, and, and was about to own a uh, open a place in Melbourne CBD, and just the amount of red tape really caused a lot of problems, and so uh, couldn't do. That and so he thought, well, bugger it, I didn't get a hat either, so I'm going to just go home and have a nice life with my uh, wife and maybe have a child and maybe buy a house. He's done all of that. He's yeah. opened a restaurant, and they've got a hat. And oh, wow. uh, so he's he's really excited about being in the guide for the first time and with a hat. What sort of food does he do? Uh, so it's Japan, Japanese. You know, this is one of the trends, perhaps um, Japanese slash Korean slash Chinese. Awesome. He spent time in Shanghai himself, and um, his food kind of mixes a few of those things. Those sort of. So it's uh, a bit like Andy McConnell in that way. Isn't exactly. He? Very similar to what um, Andrew McConnell's doing down at Andrew, Supernormal. Sorry, I've got to keep doing it. Yes, Andrew McConnell. Yes. Oh, I'm not sure that he would correct you, but. That's just how I Indeed. Um, um, so, yeah, yeah Andrew, and of course, famous for working in Hong Kong, imbuing himself with Chinese food, and then sure. also Shanghai working on the Bund, and this guy, yeah. same sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, and so that was great. And similarly, I really liked um, Supernormal Canteen this year, I thought, down in St Kilda. Mm. At the place that Andrew McConnell's previously had Lux, previously had Golden Field. Luxembourg. So this is, yeah, Luxembourg. This is Luxembourg. Sorry, yes. you're right. Um, there, Lux was a whole other place in St Kilda. A whole other <laughs> kettle of fish, yes. Um, so three iterations, and I reckon this is the best. Mm. Yeah, loving what he's doing down there. So that's those are two. What are the prices like down there? Um, well, look, at, it's a restaurant place. Yeah, you'd, okay. You'd find cheaper in Chinatown, obviously, but, obviously, but you hey. wouldn't be finding you know free range ingredients and all of that sort of thing. It's really very and, cool down there. And you can't look at the the vestiges of the elm trees, and it's one of the great places to watch the sunset too, actually, oh. because you have this beautiful west facing sort of thing, right. and that little neck of the woods, especially around March. But anyway, you go now. Don't, yeah. don't stop that. Um, other places that um, you've been been loving. Um, Tipo, Tipo... Double Zero. Uh, their new restaurant. Osteria in Osteria, yes. Loved that. Loved that. And another thing... Great that, pastas, making pastas great again. And also sitting at... <laughs> sitting Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's obviously a meme, you guys. No. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, this is probably another trend that I've really enjoyed is the, um, the bar seating, you know, sitting at the bar, overlooking the kitchen and watching um, people in action in the kitchen. Absolutely love the theatre of that, whether it be at a Japanese restaurant like Minamishima, which is another oh, ace place, yes. um, or at Embler at the little bar, you know, the stools along the bar. Super uh, normal still, cumulus still. I just really love that experience of sitting and watching them, not even interacting with them necessarily, but just watching the time and motion study of the them ballet. doing their thing. I just love it. I used to love it at um, uh, Huxtable, um, yeah. the late lamented Huxtable in Smith Street too. I just really enjoyed that. Mm. And um, if you could be going for, um, if I said place to go out right now, where would you pick to go out? Anywhere in Australia, seeing that this is oh, now a national guide. Okay. Um, look, I've been really wanting to get over to um, a place in WA called Liberté. Um, it's a kind of a pub and yes. they're doing cool Asian food there. I'd really love to go Whoa. and check that out. So that's where I'd love to go. But, hey, it might not be open on a Sunday. I'd have to check the guide. Yeah, that nullaboy. And then there's that time difference too. But the the great thing is that we're looking at a national guide. It's 29 29 95. 95. So it's $30, 30 effectively. Bucks. Come on. Find it in all your good bookstores. News agents. News agents, You yeah. see them. Or you can... Buy, buy it via the uh, Fairfax website, the store, and have it delivered for no cost. Really? Yeah, home delivered if you want it. By so. drone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening. Um, Ros Grundy, a delight to see you as always. Thanks, Cam. And Thanks, maybe Matt. what we might do is we work towards the end of the year, we might get you in for maybe a wrap-up of hmm. the year. Yeah, let's do that. And we'll have do a, a giveaway. Ooh, yeah. right. that sounds rather good. Um, Roz, thank you for, for joining us. Thanks, Ladies and gentlemen out there, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. I hope I've inspired you maybe to do a, a potato pancake, mm. but not the mock fish. So no, that sounded fish. appalling. That sounded appalling. Yeah. Um, go to Tivoli Road Baker, buy the book. It is just divine. Roz is dying to have a look at it. I'm just going to pass it over here. Coming up in the next hour, Matt, we have... Sunday lunch is clocked over another four weeks. So coming up, we've got Arige, uh, Exploring Culture... In all of its many manifestations, that's a, it's a, it's a teaser.
tune in and find it. out. Um, stick around for that. Thank you again for joining us. Oh, it's one o'clock. We need to go. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.